This year, I am really focused on my health and sticking to a routine, and that's why I've been loving Symbiotica. Symbiotica is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies out there right now, and they are one of the only brands that are wholly committed to your health. No seed oils, no preservatives or toxins. They source the best ingredients from all around the world, and honestly, you could taste it. I started taking Symbiotica because I was feeling sluggish and tired, and I just wanted to feel better, but I also wanted a supplement that actually tasted great. Plus, their supplements are super easy to just take on the go. They taste good. Having supplements that don't taste like chalk or artificial ingredients makes me look forward to taking them every day. I try to stay really consistent with my morning routine, and something that I always include is taking my supplements every single day. I've been taking these Symbiotica supplements and loving them. My goal this winter has been to support my immune system with the supplements that I've been taking. So I've been taking them every morning with my coffee and my breakfast. Joe does as well. And I've been really loving the results that I've been seeing. I take a Symbiotica every morning with my eggs and I'm ready to go. I'm alert. And then I hit the gym. What's even better is that Symbiotica makes it a breeze to stay on track. With a subscription, your supplements arrive at your doorstep every single month. Ready to feel the results? Head over to Symbiotica.com and use code BACHELOR for 15% off your subscription order. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Happy Hour listeners. Thanks for tuning in again this week. And I know last week, if you tuned in, you knew it was our exciting 100th episode. And it was also bittersweet because it was Rachel Lindsay's last episode on Bachelor Happy Hour. But rest assured, don't worry, we have another great, badass, incredible woman stepping in. And if you listened a couple weeks ago, you heard her voice, but we have Catherine Lowe joining us again. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm also feeling like I have huge shoes to fill. So I am just like, I've loved you and what Rachel have built over these many, many uh, episodes. And I can't wait to just kind of get into what you guys get to do and be super excited. I'm super excited to be here. And thanks for listening, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us, Catherine. And you guys, like I said, and we're not just going to have her on this week. She's actually going to be stepping in for a few weeks. And I cannot wait because she just brings so much new, unique perspective to the podcast. Um, and Catherine, you know, I love you. So I can't wait to have you on. You're stuck with me, whether you want to be or not. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for you. Um, but we obviously had you on, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And for any of uh, any of our viewers who are a little bit younger or haven't tuned in, uh, you know, in past past uh, seasons, which I actually experienced for the first time I met somebody and they're like, um, 
you look familiar, but I never watched your season. How long ago were you on? Five <laughs> years ago? And I was like, oh, you know, like when you're in in a school and the teacher's like, wow, I just aged myself and I'm way older than you. That's how I felt. And so for anyone who isn't quite aware of you or listened in a few weeks ago, Catherine, give us a quick intro about you. Obviously, you met Sean and you are now happily married with an incredible family. But take it away. Give us a little intro about yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Um, nine years ago, I was filming the show. I met... <laughs> my now husband, Sean Lowe, on The Bachelor. And we got engaged on TV. We got married on TV. We did not have a birth on TV, but we have three <laughs> kids. <laughs> you never know. Maybe there's a fourth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. not. Nobody assume I'm pregnant. But um, yeah, we live in Dallas, Texas. I run a business called Loco, which is a luxury stationery. But I also, because I run my own business and I set my own hours, I get to do fun things like co-host with Becca Kufrin on mm -hmm. the Happy Hour podcast. So I just, I have a great, like super uh, stable, I wouldn't say boring life, but it's definitely a mature life. Um, I'm not going to have those fun party stories, but I feel like, yeah, like you said, different, a little bit different of a perspective. And it's cool to have conversations with somebody that you have a genu genuinely like and have uh, a history with. Like we, we met in New York and so far, we've just been, it's been an easy friendship. So I'm super yeah. excited to be here. I'm excited to see who we get to interview. And uh, I just, I couldn't be happier to be here with you. Oh, thanks, Catherine. Well, I'm so glad that you, that you, A, were available because I know your life is crazy <laughs> with three little ones. But before, for, for all of our listeners, before, you know, we started recording, Catherine and I had this conversation about this crazy world that is The Bachelor, like how everybody is somehow intertwined and connected. And so Catherine and I, I think we actually like started talking, I mean, well before I ever met you mm -hmm. in New York. Like, so Sean, it's no surprise, was really good friends with Ari. <laughs> Which was like an ancient, like ancient <laughs> yeah. ago when he started on the yes. with Ari. Right. And obviously like newsflash, I was on our season and we all know how that turned out, but it's, you know, like I wouldn't have changed anything for the world because it brought us together and you were one of the first people that when I was still with him, you know, and it wasn't public and before the breakup, like when you still have to keep everything under wraps because the show is airing, you had reached out to me and you were just so kind and you're like, if you ever need advice or somebody to talk to. And so that's really, that was the start of our connection. And then fast forward to after that, we met in New York at an event and, um, you and Sean are probably like the couple that I was most excited to ever interact with because you are a success story from the franchise. And you not only, you know, got engaged and got married after that, but you have built such a solid, beautiful family. And so I think when people think of the show truly and the success of it, they think of you and Sean, which is something really special that I, you know, was able to witness and meet. Um, but that's why I'm just so excited to share you with all of our listeners because, you know, some people to this day, like, are still skeptical about the show and don't think that it works and think... They think that it's scripted and fake and it's just, you know, all the drama. Sure, yeah, drama's a bit of it, but it's also real love stories like you and Sean. And so I can't wait to have you on. You're Like I said, you're going to give such a different perspective. And, 
you know, you, you make jokes about that you have this boring life, but I look at you and that's what I aspire to be one day is, you know, I do want a solid connection with a partner. I do want three. Well, I don't, I don't know how I'll say <laughs> three, but a few kids. I don't know how many at this point, one day running around. Um, and so it's going to be so much fun to have you on. And what I'm very excited about today is you built some really solid, great friendships from your time on Sean season which, as you said, nine years ago, but they're still thriving. And that's why one of your best friends who was actually in your wedding was Leslie, who we're going to have on very shortly. Um, so give us a little bit about your friendship, about how it started with Leslie. And then do you still keep in touch with other women from your season? Talk me through that. And then we'll bring her on very shortly. Well, I'm sure you and Rachel talked about it, but being in the franchise, it's such a unique experience. And a lot of people can't relate because they just don't, it's kind of like a sorority or a fraternity. It's unless you know like the verbiage or the people or just really what happens in it, it's a little hard to follow. So when I met um, Leslie was we had an immediate connection the first night um, at the mansion, that rose ceremony. And since then we have been in our lives, you know, all these different milestones in our lives. You know, I was, she was, she was at my wedding and people were like, are you sure you want her to be a bridesmaid? And I said, absolutely. I loved her before I loved my husband. So, and then now she has a baby and I was on her baby shower, little zoom. And we just continue to be those friends where you don't have to talk every day, but when you see each other, it's just back. And everybody knows that kind of friendship. So I love her. I can't wait to hear what she has going on and really to show everybody how beautiful she is as a person, how dynamic she is. And she'll be great to talk to you. So I'm super excited about it. I can't wait. I mean, I'm excited. She's somebody that I have followed for quite some time now. And I've been wanting to meet. And, you know, granted, we can't do this in person, unfortunately. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, I just want to introduce her because I selfishly want to meet her. So <laughs> please welcome to Happy Hour, Leslie Murphy. Leslie, it's so good to finally meet you. I feel like I've been such a fan for so long since oh, you were on Sean's season. So it's crazy that we're like finally talking face to face. I know. I know. I followed you for years and here we are. Um, yeah. That's so good. Thanks We've for having me. Circle. Well, thanks for joining us. Catherine and I were actually just talking about this weird incestuous family. We were looking at a chart of like how everyone's somehow intertwined of like someone dated the same person and then made out with this person. And then, you know, like all the things that connect everyone. Yeah. And here we are. And all it's together. normal. And we're best friends. And we're fine Wait, with it all. Is this like weird family tree out there? Because it yes. needs to be. Yes. I need to no. see it. It, I will send it to you because somebody DM'd it to me and screenshotted it. And, you know, like when, the, when it's like the little clip and you can only see like, you know, the middle of some some yeah, picture. Yeah. I clicked on it and it zoomed out and it just like turned massive. It has like, to be huge. Holy. It's, <laughs> it's going to be it, huge and, you know, and incestuous and gross and beautiful and all the things. But like it, I probably didn't even include a quarter of people who have been on the show and like how everyone's intertwined. It had like the main people like the main drama the main hookups all of that but it's I'll, i will i will send it to you because it's wild it. to look at i want to see it yes but well okay incestuous family aside <laughs> i don't know how we went off on that <laughs> tangent we want to check in because we're so excited to have you on bachelor happy hour and you i mean your life has changed drastically since obviously sean's season which is where you two met um but fill us in because you've had some big life changes just like within the past couple months I know the past year has been insane, well, insane for everybody. But I mean, between the proposal and then having a newborn who's 12 weeks today, 
is insane. I mean, mm-hmm. I, the past nine years since, yeah, that I went on The Bachelor, it's just, I am a completely different person, but in the best way. Um, and so happy to still be good friends with Catherine. Uh, it's crazy to know that we met, you know, on this crazy TV show. And here we are still talking nine years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you hear my screaming baby in the background, I'm sorry. <laughs> Bring her in at some point. She is so adorable. You have such a lovely family. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Catherine could help me out here because you have three little ones, but uh, having a newborn's <laughs> hard work. Like I feel like everybody is, all they talk about is the good stuff with newborns and you feel kind of like this pressure to be like, oh, it's this beautiful time. It's so lovely and blissful. And like, yeah, there are certain times where it is that, but it is so hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Sleep deprivation is something yeah. that, like I don't, you've, ne- you've never experienced in your life. Um, and so to get used to that is impossible. And then it still blows my mind that such a tiny human requires so much. Mm-hmm. And even when they sleep so much, they still require so much because then you have the laundry to do and the bottle service and all the things. Um, so I think it's just, about learning on the job. And I think, I feel like after three months now of doing that, we're finally coming out of this haze and really enjoying it. <laughs> That's, there's this, there's this video that my sister took of me when I just had Samuel probably a couple of weeks. And it is like the most unattractive, but accurate description of what motherhood, like newborn motherhood looks like. I have no bra on, I'm in the bed, but I'm sitting up and half asleep and I'm my my arm is like moving because you're so you're a zombie but then you're responsible to keep another person alive it does not feel okay no it doesn't and you're for the first time you're like wait I'm the mom now like that's me yeah who put me in charge why why (laughs) I'm not qualified for this I want to go back to the beginning because obviously you both met and became friends on Sean's season just so take us back Season 17 of The Bachelor, did you guys hit it off like night one in the mansion or how did your friendship start to form? Um, you want to you go, Catherine? Yeah. Sure. I mean, sure. I'll start some and then you fill in. Um, cool. So we, I can't remember if you were there before me or whatever, but I just remember the night going and I had served Sean Lowe some ice cream. And then I think a couple girls were like, I want to talk to him. And I was like, food, just give him food. And then we connected about food and the menu at the hotel that we were staying at for what's like four days beforehand. (laughs) We're like, oh my gosh, have you tried the lemon ricotta pancakes or whatever? (laughs) And then also at the end of the night, we both had taken our bras off or some bra situation happened. And we're like, (laughs) it's like six in the morning and we want to go and not wear this like confined stuff. So we were very similar and had... Like we had jokes and we were silly together and we were honest about this and not we didn't have a facade on. I thought that was like very telling for our, our the beginning of our friendship. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree. I think I don't know what it was. We were just drawn to each other and it went the friendship went like this. And it all started with food, the common denominator of all of humanity. And <laughs> and it was literally like went down the menu. And then Oh my gosh, I remember that first night um, because on Sean's season, it was it was really different because he started handing out the roses throughout the night, and which is very different because it's usually just at the rose ceremony at the end of the night. And so you had gotten a rose um, 
And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a rose yet. And I also hadn't talked to him yet. Yeah. And I remember going up to you and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm so anxious. Like I'm definitely going home. It's night one. I'm going to be that girl. And you're like, okay, no, here's what you need to do. And I don't even know like what food it was, but it was, a food. I don't even know what food it was. All I remember is we talked about football, but you were, that's true. Oh, and St. Like, Simon's Island too. Yes. Talk about St. Yes. Simon's Island. But like who, who does that? I mean, at the end of the day, this show is a competition. And so you just off the bat were like, let me help you. And I was like, oh, I love this girl. And <laughs> then we took our bras off. <laughs> we're like, that's so we'll the bras. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say there's something, I mean, it's such a weird experience to find yourself in. And and everything is so heightened, I feel like, you know, the nerves are there night one. You I think people half the time expect to step out of the limo and they don't think they're going to make any friends. They think people are going to be catty because like you said, it is that competition. And so when you find a girl that you click with, it's something really special and it bonds you in such a weird way. Like, yes, even though you are dating the same man, it really solidifies any sort of friendship in such a weird way, which is so funny because, you know, like even the question to this day, I get two questions. Like, was it real? You know, did you really like fall for that? The lead, whoever it was. And did you really form friendships? And so much like you two, I still I'm super close with a couple girls on my season, but it's like you go through this wild experience that no one else Mm -hmm. can even like really fathom, like unless you're there. And so it's special when you do find somebody that, you know, take the bras off, talk about food. Those are the things that bond people. So that's so special. I, you know, Leslie obviously has a wreck. She held a record with my now husband for like the longest kiss on screen. Mm -hmm. And then she ends (laughs) up being one of my bridesmaids. And everyone's like, well, isn't that weird? I was like, no, because I fell in love with Leslie before I fell in love with Sean. Like, it's really Mm -hmm. because you spend so much time with the other girls in the house and you barely spend time with the lead. It makes sense that you would have these very long lasting friendships that other people cannot relate to in in Mm -hmm. the other world. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad the show decided to show that and edit that in because I think it was the first time in a season that they really opened the door to friendships on the show. Because usually it is, I mean, at the end of the day, they're here to make a TV show. Drama drama brings the views, but... uh, our, I mean, our friendship was and is something special. So I think it was awesome that they allowed everyone to see that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, usually they would have like the couch and like, okay, you sit over here and you sit over here, but we were always naturally next to each other. So we were in yep. so many, mm-hmm. I don't want to say scenes, but we were in a lot of scenes together because we were naturally together. But also not, you know, bachelor aside, Leslie, you have so much going on in your life. You have an incredible Instagram account. Like I'm obsessed with following you. I followed you for for years now, I think since Sean season. Um, but you also have started your own blog, the road less traveled. So tell us a little bit about that. You tell us about your love for travel, some of your favorite places that you've been and how you started that. Yeah, for sure. So after we wrapped filming in 2012, <laughs> um, we, the show aired in 2013. And I think it was like a few months later, I left and moved to Argentina. And um, I think a lot of people thought that was crazy at the time, because I think the show was still airing or just finished airing. And people were like, oh, you could you could do so much. Like there's so many opportunities. And I'm like, no, like there are so many opportunities in South America though. And so I went down there, worked for um, a company that's a lot like Airbnb and remember just not being fulfilled, quit one day, started a travel blog. 
my family was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and logged hour after hour trying to make this work, make, make this successful, reach out to any and every travel partner I could. And finally started getting traction. And then I just gave up that Buenos Aires apartment and was a traveler and a nomad for the next three years. And um, building this blog, building this website and going on solo trips. And then finally, I was like, I need to be a real person. I need to be a real adult. So then <laughs> I, I went on Bachelor Winter Games and it was right after that. that That's I got your normal my- transition into adulthood <laughs> is going like, on Bachelor Winter Games. <laughs> I was like, this transition is not adding up. <laughs> But that's the way it went. <laughs> so we wrapped filming. It aired and I got my first apartment in, I think, four or five years in L.A. And I think two months later, I met. Not Dean. I just want to say, clarify, not Dean's apartment that he gave you the, the key to, correct? Your own. <laughs> Thank you, Becca. <laughs> Let's go back. Yeah, no, not that one. Um, Good. And can we all can we all note that that proposal was complete? And utter bullshit because he proposed with a key when he had a keyless entry house. He had a keyless entry house. <laughs> of course he did. Just want to throw that out there. Um, so no, I got I got my own apartment and oh. met my fiance two months later. Um, so I don't know. It's I think you know I get questions all the time about people breaking up with their partner and what can they do to feel better and find their true love. And I think it's all about working on yourself and finding like true inner peace within yourself before you can find another and be happy with another. And it was like the perfect moment that we both met. We were both fulfilled within ourselves. And then it just like went from there. And he's just as spontaneous as I am and loves to travel. And it's, it's the best. Mm -hmm. And now look at you. Two kids in love with a cute little kid living in your home now. Going on our first trip next week, which I am <laughs> slightly nervous about. Where are you going? We're heading to Hawaii. Oh, so she's never been on a plane before. And, It'll be uh, great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. We'll Good see. vibes. It'll be great. What place, if you have like a travel novice, what place in the world would you suggest for like stepping into, okay, I want to, even if it's somebody that can't really do it as much as, as nobody really can do it as often as you did, but the first step into falling in love with travel and what activity would you do there? Mm. Ooh, I think that's a great question. Um, I would start, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do something crazy out of the box. I would start close-ish to home and I would start it in nature because seriously nothing, uh, makes me hit the reset button better than being surrounded by nature. And a lot of times that's by myself. And I tell everyone, if you have never done a solo trip, do it. Like it's, it's probably going to scare the shit out of you and that's fine. But that's the whole point of it is to be thrown out of your comfort zone and it will make you grow in ways you never, ever thought possible. It'll make you learn way more than you ever have learned in a textbook. Um, have you, have the two of y'all ever been on a solo, like a proper solo trip? No, but this is why I want to talk to you about this, because this year, finally, I think because of COVID and me going through such a major public breakup, I have been, it's been something I've been wanting to do for about the past year. And now I feel like I'm at the point where at first I was kind of scared to do it. You know, I, I would like to have somebody just to feel safe and secure and, you know, like have a good backup if I ever needed it. But then I'm like, no, like, 
you like to be alone. You're independent. So I want to piggyback off onto that and ask for advice for solo trips as well. Okay. So I think you are more apt to meet more people by yourself than if you're traveling with friends or family, because you're by yourself. Like if you were with a friend, you're going to be talking amongst the two of you guys. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a great jumping off point to meet new people. And I don't, I don't know what exactly. Let's just start with sticking close to home somewhere domestic inside the U S do you like, do you like hiking? Do you like to be outdoors and surrounded by nature? I do, but I'm not really um, that savvy. Like if I have to camp outside by myself, I'd be a little bit afraid of For what sure. might happen. No, this isn't that. This is not that. But hiking, I would be, yes. I would be, I'd be slightly nervous to camp by myself too. I don't know all the ins and the outs about it, but I would definitely start um, with a national park by yourself. Um, Catherine and I sort of kind of went to Glacier National Park. <laughs> <laughs> in Montana, but that wasn't either one of our one-on-one dates. Um, it is, de- it's still, it's like probably at the top of my list for a U.S. based destination. And like Montana is so hot right now because it is so beautiful outdoors and all the national parks are having a moment with COVID now, um, especially because Americans really can't go too far outside the borders. So I would say some kind of national park you don't have to i don't think you even have to like love hiking i i remember my first hike when i was living in argentina i went to patagonia tears streaming down my face i had i hadn't even broken in my brand new hiking boots had no clue what i was doing but i look back on that experience and i'm like that was so awesome because that propelled me forward to love the outdoors mm-hmm. um, and i think it's so healing so healing I- so that's, that's where incredible. I, that's where I'd start. Um, that or going and hanging out by the beach in the Caribbean somewhere. Even that's fun. <laughs> that sounds nice too. Yeah. I was going to say outside of the U.S., where is one of your favorite places internationally that you've traveled or that you would recommend to people? Yeah. Um, I think solo or with a partner or even with family um, because it it is so varied in landscape and budget. You can do it as cheap or as expensive as you want. I love Thailand. Uh, mm. I love it. I love it. I love it because there's like, it has the mountains in the North and the beaches and the islands in the South and it offers so much. And like I said, you can do it on a budget or you can just blow it out of the park. Um, whatever you want. I and- will, I will attest to that. We went to on the show. We went to Thailand. Um, on my season and it is incredible and that's the one place that I'll always recommend to anyone wanting to travel internationally anywhere it's just the culture and the food and the history and like you said the landscape it's so varied it's stunning and Catherine that's where you got engaged yes yeah yeah, exactly yeah I love (laughs) that so you all know special place I would just say Southeast Asia in general um is amazing like Vietnam is so good for food. It's like the food Mecca. It's so beautiful. The people are so lovely. Um, Bali is, Bali is just an easy one because I feel like, I feel like it's, it seems overrun with tourism, but at the same time, there are so, so many hidden gems that you could find too. And again, you can do it on a budget as, or as expensive as you want. It has Mm -hmm. something for everyone. So moving forward, because you've traveled and you've done so much alone and you've done so much stuff with your fiance, do you think going forward, you're going to still pepper in those solo trips or are you excited to do things with Nora and your family? 
so excited to see the world through Nora's eyes. I'm nervous as to what travel brings with a newborn. Like I have no idea what to expect. None whatsoever. You could, I, you tell me. <laughs> I think um, it'll be great. I think if you acclimate them early, because my sister, she has a baby and she lives in France and they do right. tons of outdoor trips. And if they're used to it, then that's just their norm. And I think that everything that you do and you show them, they'll easily pick up on. So you can do whatever. Newborns are the easiest to travel with, to be honest. And and I think that's the first piece of advice you gave me, I think, on that baby shower Zoom call. You were like, travel now, do it. It's the easiest right now. And when, it's also so, so sweet. You have them in the carrier and you get to still watch your shows. And then they'll eventually know how to travel with you without having them be so dependent on you but it's really they follow your lead yeah mm -hmm. and i think uh i think she's really gonna like being out and about if she's not stimulated she is pissed <laughs> she <laughs> is so mad she has like this kind of auburn wannabe red hair and i'm just like you're gonna be a firecracker and <laughs> you are gonna be like you're gonna like being on the go so i think it's gonna yeah. be good it's just a little intimidating especially this first trip i need to get it out of the way so i feel like I know what I'm doing and know that I don't need to bring the whole house with me. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hawaii will be a good trial run, a good For tester sure. to see. At least it's still part of the U.S. I know it's, you know, still a, a ways out there, but hopefully you can still relax and just ease her in. But it, I think it's so important and so special to instill that love of travel and different cultures in, in any child, especially at such a young age. And so that's that's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see your photos. Thanks. I'm so excited. But I will always cherish those solo trips. So, Becca, I'm holding you to this. I need you. Please do. Please. I need you to take a solo trip for you first, but also for me, and then report back. <laughs> <laughs> I, will pro I will. Okay. So my goal by, I mean, you know, depending on how things roll out and open after everything that's happened this past year. My goal is to do one. And at first I was just going to be like, go big or go home. I was going to go to Europe and do like a backpacking yeah. trip around Europe. Mm. But I might take your lead, do something a little bit more loco, lo loco, <laughs> loco too, local, just to <laughs> see way. how it goes. But I will be, I will be blowing up your phone and be like, what do I do in this situation? Oh or how do I handle this? Or, you know, Please so I'll get do. all the pointers from you. But yes, I will for sure do it this year. It's it's my goal and on my bucket list. Okay. Um, knowing how good you're doing at this, Leslie, would you ever consider being like a, a unique travel agent or planner? Like a concierge. I, yeah. I definitely, I've definitely thought about it, especially as you know, I have a family and hopefully a growing family and maybe can't always be all over the place all the time, or maybe I can, like, who knows how it's going to mm -hmm. really evolve. And something like that would, would keep me home more. Um, but at the end of the day, kudos to the travel agents, the concierge of the world, because it is hard <laughs> work because you got to be on at all hours. Think about it. If you plan a trip for somebody in New Zealand and they're over there, you know, the time zone's so different, something goes wrong your phone has to be on at all hours of the day. It's Unless tough. you have a team. That's, Get that's it. True. You'd be the boss. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. Yes, so, that's true. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget. I went on, I went to New Zealand last year for an engagement trip right after we got engaged. And my parents met us over there and they had travel agents plan their trip. 
not great travel agents, by the way. And so, so many th little things were going wrong and they were just never available for them because the time zones were so different. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, first of all, you need to fire these people. Secondly, like this is hard work. And I knew that because I mean, travel planning, I do my own travel planning and it is a time suck. Mm -hmm. I mean, you are looking at lodging options, activities, restaurants, but I also am so type, I'm not type A. And so I'm never like super organized with an itinerary. I kind of like just go with the flow more, which can also I wanted, bite me in the butt. <laughs> I wanted to ask both of you because, you know, I've traveled with so many different people, especially being on the show and then just with family. Are you the type of people that, and Leslie, you kind of just answered this, but that needs a full packed itinerary, always something to do, always an activity, or are you more see where the day takes me. Maybe I'll stop into this restaurant. Maybe I'll day drink. Maybe I'll go parasailing or whatever. What are you like, Catherine? Well, I, I actually, going back to the solo trip, I lived in Kenya by myself for, I mean, obviously I went for uh, my trap, my study abroad, but I traveled there by myself. And after Kenya, I went to uh, London and it's, I, I'm the kind of person where I have to look it up and see what are the spots I don't want to miss. So like, mm -hmm. let's say there's just a couple that you're like, okay, I have to go to these places, but then everything else is like, okay, well, I'm going to see something. I want to stop there. I want to check it out to really understand instead of like, cause so, kind of like when you're traveling with somebody else, you guys are both like in, in your own space. You're not really looking around, but when you're by yourself and you're trying to explore and really engage with the city or the town or the, whatever you're doing. I think you're way more open to seeing exactly what that city offers you, exactly what that's about, the type of people. You're you're much more engaged, I feel like, when you don't have mm -hmm. a specific itinerary. Yeah. I would agree with that. You're much more present yes. um, with your surroundings. You're more apt to meet new people because um, you're not just so engrossed in another person next to you. Yeah. Or, or you're looking at a sheet and you're like, oh, I have to do this. And you're not like, mm -hmm. oh, I kind of want to, oh, this looks good. Look I'm going to do this. Yeah. Look, at, yes. mm -hmm. look at this. Look at this. Yep. I found just through traveling that some of the best moments and even like best restaurants or coffee shops, little local hole in the wall places, you always, it's just talking to somebody, like whether it's at a bus stop or just getting a gelato, like whatever it might be. I love picking people's brains who live there and know the good spots, not the touristy spots or like the Instagrammable spots. And so that's what, I mean, again, I haven't traveled lately because it's been COVID. Uh, but when I was, I would, I would tell people that's one thing I would recommend is to just get to know people around you that live in the area that can recommend good spots um, that you would probably never find in a book or on Instagram or Google. You got to take the road less traveled sometimes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> um, okay. Or when are you guys going to go see Alex's family? Oh, it's so, it's so sad. I mean, I have cried. He has cried. It's so sad. We have no idea. Um, we've Cause no all the families in Australia, right? Mm -hmm. They're in Australia. We don't know when the borders really are going to open. His dad says maybe, maybe by the end of the year, although nobody really knows. Yeah. You know, it's, it's up to the government. I think, um, uh, you, can't you can possibly find a flight there aren't many but i think but when you land there you have to quarantine at a government hotel three thousand dollars minimum like it's we could never do that with a baby I, I mean never ever ever um and we really wanted to get we still want to get married over there but 
I feel so lucky that we we were just I remember last at the end of last February, we were about to put a deposit down for a wedding planner. And I'm so glad we didn't because I feel so lucky that we haven't had to go through the red tape of canceling anything because nothing was booked. Um, I remember the first week of March, I tried on wedding dresses for the first and only time. So glad I didn't actually end up choosing one because, well, I've had a baby and like <laughs> that's changed everything. Um, so I would love to start planning um, a wedding over there, but but yeah. I would hate to plan it and the borders still not be open by the end of the year. Oh, it's got to be tough. Where where in Australia is this family based? They're in Sydney. Um, okay. His brother is in the uh, up in Queensland too. So um, by Noosa, it's just, it's all stunning. Like so mm -hmm. different from where I grew up in the middle of the country in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I still mm -hmm. don't know how I got an Australian here back here <laughs> <laughs> those australians i used to date a guy well before the show from melbourne Mel melbourne melbourne, Mel melbourne. Um, yeah. and those australians they're good guys i have a couple australian friends and they're just incredible but yeah australia is stunning like i i went to sydney for a few days before i traveled to bali a couple years ago and their food scene there i didn't expect you know like when i went to sydney i didn't expect to like be so blown away by the restaurants and the food. And it yeah. is incredible. It's incredible. They do breakfast really well. They do their mm -hmm. flat whites really well. Um, okay, explain what these things are. What is the breakfast like? And what is a flat white? Oh, <laughs> so uh, Alex is obsessed with avocado toast. And I see where, why and where he gets it. It's from all these beautiful restaurants in Sydney. They do it so well um, with like smashed avo to a tea, perfect with the seasoning and poached eggs on top if you want, um, some bacon on the side, sorry, crispy bacon. He'd be so mad at me if I didn't say that. Um, and then the flat white, I'm still confused at what it is. I think it's kind of like a cappuccino with less foam. Okay, this is not, hmm. it's okay, it's a drink. Yes, it's okay. a drink, it's a coffee drink. He's a coffee snob because they do coffee really well over there. Mm -hmm. um, so our coffee machine in there is like this big. He actually packs it in a drone case when we travel. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but I let it like, you gotta, yeah, you gotta take yeah. your battles. Yeah, exactly. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as long as he's making you a good flat white, that's all that matters. <laughs> every day, every day, I'm so lucky. Becca, that would be another great, when the borders open, Australia mm -hmm. would be such a great, for you to go back to another solo oh, trip. I have been wanting to, oh, I've been itching to get back there. Obviously, you know, now it's yeah. almost impossible. Yeah. But yeah, that's on my bucket list again. I would love to, even like my mom, I would love to go with her and just experience everything. But that's a good mother daughter trip. trip. That's a really yes. good mother daughter trip. Byron Bay, put it on your list. Byron Bay. Yeah. I, I just everyone, everywhere in Australia, I was supposed to study abroad in Adelaide, oh. you know. Almost a decade, over a decade ago, I guess now, and um, it didn't work out. So and I still been wanting to get back it. there. You could have mm -hmm. drink your way through it because it's wine country down there. Mm -hmm. I know it looks so stunning. Yeah, I feel like I could talk to you both about travel and food and flat whites all day. But Leslie, there's so much more to you. And one thing that I personally loved, and I'm sure your followers have loved too, is just how open and personal you are about all of your life experiences. And recently. Um, you went through, you were very open about your, uh, the, the journey and the procedure with your double mastectomy. And so can you talk a little bit about that and what made you undergo that and why you decided to share it with all of your followers as well? Yeah, for sure. So my mom, it all started when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in 
2014 and I was living in Buenos Aires then. So it's, it's like something you'll never forget when you get that kind of call, you remember exactly where you were. And, um, and my dad was on the phone Well, they both, they both were on the phone and he was like, your mom has breast cancer, immediate tears. She had, um, surgery like the very next week and they caught it early. So she's doing really great today, but that led my two sisters and I to get tested for the BRCA gene, the same gene that gave her cancer. And it's just kind of crazy how the dice fell. So my older sister tested positive, my younger sister tested negative, and I got tested last because I was all over the place all the time. And so finally I was home and I was like, okay, I need to go get this test done. And I remember my mom was like, you'll be fine, it'll be negative. And I think that just came from a mother's guilt. Like, and I know she still feels that today. And it's, and I like to flip it on its head because I think she, you know, knowing that she was positive for the sheen, it led us to get tested. And like that kind of knowledge is powerful. And I tested positive, obviously. And 40 days later was on an OR table getting my breast removed at 29 years old. But I think I was so okay with that decision because I remember once I got the news that I was positive, I was weirdly on my way to my gynecologist appointment. And so I had somebody to sit down with at that moment and talk to about it. And, and she was like, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't want to sit on something potentially cancerous. And that just like let mm -hmm. that got the ball rolling. And so by the time I left her office, I already knew I was going to move forward with the preventative surgery and uh, felt really good about it from that moment forward. And I was never somebody super attached to my breasts. Like I know some women are it's just a body part. They love, they're proud of, they you know, it looks great on them, whatever it may be, but I've had like big hips from day one. So like, that's where the attention's always gone. I remember my mom always saying she had to do elastic waistband jeans on me since the very beginning. And so I've never really focused on my boobs until then. And so, you know, I know a lot of people grieve it like a missed body part, but I think fortunately, fortunately for me, I, I didn't really you know, missed them so much. So I had a, a slightly easier time in, in terms of the emotional, um, and mental wearing on me. Um, the, the physical pain was a lot, but, um, I kind of looked at it as like this cool, like Grey's Anatomy episode where <laughs> I would literally go into the doctor's office every Tuesday and watch them put a needle in my breasts getting me ready for a reconstructive surgery. This was after the double mastectomy and they would fill my breast with saline to like slightly grow a little larger each time. Um, and it was just something that you have to, you have to look at it with a positive attitude. It's everything, or it's just going to wear you down and wear you down and wear you down. And I would say that, and a support system is key. Um, strangers on the internet literally got me through it. And I, I think that's when I learned the power of social media is when I put this out on social media because I wasn't going to be traveling for three, four months. And so I was like, well, if I'm not going to do that, I might as well put this out there. And if I could help just one person, like, boom, I, I've done my job and had no idea the effect it would have. And uh, literally like strangers on the internet helped me heal in ways I can never describe. Mm -hmm. 
I have to commend you for sharing that story because it it is something so personal and most people probably would choose to keep that private. You know, you're going through something internally that, you know, you don't always want to be so, I think in our society, no, people don't want to be so upfront about their personal issues and their bodies. And especially when you're a public figure and having people just talk about your bodies and kind of objectify you in general. Um, So I think that's incredible. And I will say, like, I love that you speak out about the preventative measures, because I, I truly believe I think knowledge is power. And, um, you know, similarly to you, this isn't the same exact situation, but I've dealt with a lot of um, illness in my life. A lot of my family members have had different kinds of cancer. And so I went through um, a small procedure earlier last or well, a couple months ago, I guess. Um, and before we even started it, my doctor was like, I want you just to do genetic testing to see what kind of genes you might carry, what kind of potential genetic cancers your dad could have given you or your mom could have given you. So we did also check for that BRCA gene as well. And so it's so, I think, just such a way that you know internally potentially what you're up against, what you're not up against, what you could pass down to your children. And so I think that's so important that you're speaking out about it and to get tested and to just know what you're potentially up against and 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 the different options that you have to, you know, move forward with like what you did with the double mastectomy or not, you know, it's all about yeah. your options. And so I think it's so important that you share, especially with your women followers, because I guarantee you've probably changed so many people's lives and and they uh, some of your followers probably had no idea what that even was until you brought it up to them and it's so important i didn't i didn't until my mom was diagnosed with cancer and so i think Mm -hmm. science is so cool science Mm -hmm. is so cool and i think bottom line like i've learned that sharing uh will help at least one other person if not yes hundreds or thousands more so Mm -hmm. i always if they're not comfortable with it completely fine but if they have even the little bit, the the tiniest inkling to share, I always mm-hmm. urge them to because it's always so helpful. I think for them and other people as well. Like like I said, I think it's just like this weird symbiotic relationship that happens um, because mm-hmm. it's so helpful for you to like release your story in a way, um, get it off your chest, so you feel lighter in the end, and then whoever's on the other receiving end is. Helps. And you've uncovered mm-hmm. like a community of women that have either experienced something similar to you or are now, again, exploring what this means and understanding how to help other people that might be in their community that are that are suffering something similar. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think I get DMs, emails about it multiple times a week. So it continues to blow my mind. And I think it just the sad part about that is uh, you realize that breast cancer is going nowhere uh, because I constantly get, hey, I've I've been been diagnosed with with breast cancer or my mom has been diagnosed with breast cancer um, or I'm positive for the BRCA gene. And on one hand, it's it's a little sad because it's still running rampant. Um, But on the other hand, I think that preventative knowledge is so helpful. So yay, science. It's the best. (laughs) Yes, I agree. And even too, like, you know, for people wanting to potentially start families, you can get tested for so many other genetic things that if you're a carrier and your partner's not or vice versa, it's just important to know. And again, you know, you have the options to choose what you want to do in any case. And if you don't want to, you know, that's that's your decision. But yep, knowledge is power. Science is incredible. Um, It is. It is. But 
And now this is something that you can take and share with Nora, with your baby now, which is incredible. And, you know, granted, she's only 12 weeks. So it's not like you're going to be talking to her about this right now. But one day, just leave that door open and have her become more aware and, you know, know what she's potentially up against one day once she grows up as well. So true. I think about that a lot. And if she'll be positive for that gene or not. Um, And just knowing what I know now from, you know, my mom's guilt, um, I'm try- I'm going to try and, and not carry that with me because, you know, at least we know, you know, if mm-hmm. my mom hadn't been diagnosed, we would never have been tested, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, whatever happens with Nora, it'll be, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so speaking. No, oh, sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Ahead. I just wanted to say like everything that I've known about you, Leslie has been like, I'm so excited for you to have a daughter, first of all, because You've always been about empowering women. You've been about body positivity. And like to see someone on the outside, like not knowing you at the beginning, but seeing these things come out, I'm so excited for you to raise up someone that is similar to you where you're, okay, you're a strong woman. You can be independent. Your body is beautiful. It's something that you should, you know, be revering. And I I just love that about you. So I'm excited to see what Nora gets from that and obviously to see Alex's traits. But as a a woman who's so strong and um, just a a wonderful example of a strong woman, but also have, you know, you have the soft qualities too, but I'm excited to see what Mm -hmm. um, Nora becomes. Thanks, Gaia. Yeah, I, uh, somebody asked me the other day, they were like, what are you most excited about? Like, what makes you most excited about motherhood? What are you most excited about? And I sat back and I was like, yeah, I am. I'm excited to travel with her. But I think more looking at the bigger picture, I'm more excited to just raise like a really kind, but fierce female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I just got chills. I love that. <laughs> it's so important. Um, I can't wait to see where life takes you and Nora and Alex. I can't wait to follow along once you're in Hawaii, once you continue to travel and raise this badass female that you guys created. Um, so before we let you go, what is next besides Hawaii? Like any other future plans that you guys have in store? And then also let all of our followers know where we can follow you and how to find you and your blog and all the things. Yeah, uh, good question. I feel like this whole past year and pandemic has thrown everybody off their track for good and bad, right? Like it's definitely like pivot was the word of 2020. And it set us on this path for 2021 with a brand new daughter and slowly getting back into travel. Um, but if I'm being honest, I, I, I feel like it's, it's almost weird to start traveling again because I haven't for so long. It almost feels off brand. Um, when it was my brand for seven years. Um, So I think just slowly getting back into travel with a baby and planning a wedding is what we're going to do in the near future for 2021. Whenever those borders open in Australia, we will be on a plane going to spend time with Alex's family so that they can hold their grand granddaughter. Um, And that's kind of what we're focused on now. Um, and you can find me on my Instagram at Leslie and Murphy, L E S L E Y. Everybody spells it. <laughs> and dad. I, I remember trying to find a name for Nora and I was like, I, I just want a name, like a simple name. Where nobody can butcher it. <laughs> um, 
So Nora, it was, but yeah, Leslie and Murphy and the road less travel.com less with one S L E S. Yes. Yeah. Well, Leslie, it has been such an absolute pleasure to have you on bachelor happy hour, but to, for me personally, just to finally meet you and have this conversation. And I feel like you're, you're stuck with me now. I'm going to be blowing up <laughs> your phone when I do start these solo trips, but I so appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge and your passions and um, I can't wait to follow along and see what's next in store for you guys. So excited to finally meet you, Becca. I know I, it's been way too long and I've just followed you, you know, through this tiny screen on my phone for years. So this is <laughs> a pleasure. Gaia, it's always good to see you. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leslie, take care. Thank you so much. Give cute little Nora some kisses from us. Will do. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Catherine, I see why she became one of your best friends from the show. Like, you know, when you just talk to somebody and they just feel like good people, that's how Leslie feels to me. Yeah, she's real. She's authentic. I love that she's so dynamic as a woman mm -hmm. and she has this hometown feel, but she's a very worldly person. It's just she's such mm -hmm. a cool layered person. And I'm glad that we got to talk to her about a couple of the big things that she identifies with. But there's just so much more about her. I'm super excited mm -hmm. for other people to learn a little bit more about her, too. Yeah. She is somebody that I would say I would definitely want back on the podcast at some point. I feel like she just has this bank of knowledge and experiences. Like I could talk to her about travel and fun memories. And like, uh, you know, as you said, we, she can be our travel concierge once the world opens <laughs> yeah, we up decided again. So. What her business is <laughs> yeah. But in her life, I'll be the nanny. I'll take care of Nora when she's, you know, kicking ass. Um, but I know that you guys had such a strong friendship. So I'm really glad that you were able to connect with her and bring her on today. It was so much fun. Um, and Catherine, thank you for hanging out and being my co-host for these next couple of weeks. I can't wait to see who we have on for all of our listeners to tune into in coming weeks. It's going to be fun. Um, and I absolutely adore you. And I'm so honored that you filled this role and stepped in to join me for these next few weeks. So thank you. And to all of our incredible listeners, as always, you guys, please keep writing to us and letting us know your thoughts, maybe who you want to hear from as guests on our podcast as well. If you don't know where to find us, you can look at Bachelor Happy Hour on Instagram and at Batch Happy Hour on both Facebook and Twitter. And if you guys never want to miss an episode, please don't. So you can subscribe to us on all of our podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, The Wondery app, or wherever you are listening to us right now. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Becca. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., 
And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.